0: bit of fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I swear it is. I am glad you're here. So I lost my voice again. Good times. Uh, that's why this podcast is coming out a little late, but we're here. We've got three more episodes of season four, where of course we are talking all about the passions and problems of romantic comedies. It just so happens that sometimes the problems in a relationship hit really close to home, like at home, particularly with mothers in these two movies we'll be exploring today, but fathers and siblings and grandparents and weird uncles, they can all contribute to making life awkward or difficult for two people falling in love, right? And let's be clear, family involvement isn't always bad. It's not always bad. They can give you confidence when you're lacking. They can offer up second opinions. They can force you to confront issues that may be keeping you from opening up. Sometimes their hearts really, truly are in the right place; their input is invaluable, and they have your best interest at heart. Last episode's "Always be my Baby" is a great example of this. Marcus's dad wants kind of wants his very grown son out of the house that is true, but he more importantly wants him happy, living the life he's capable of living and specifically recognizing the feelings he's always had for his childhood friends. So he gives Marcus the push he needs and thus opens the door for our two lovers to live happily ever after. There are at least two other family dynamics in romantic comedies though, the family that doesn't mean to be the obstacle, but absolutely is everything they do though. In their opinion is at the interest of their child definitely gets in the way of the romantic lead, finding happiness which we'll see in Because I Said So, and the family that absolutely means to be the obstacle and actively works, whether subtly or outright blatantly, trying to keep the lovers apart, like in Crazy Rich Asians. When it comes down, What it comes down to is that family is complicated, but because we're talking about romantic comedies, at least we know our lovers will end up together in the end. So let's kick this conversation off with Because I Said So. Now, I think one of my biggest nightmares would be my family obsessed with my love life. Thank goodness my family is chill and content with me just living my life. But for poor Millie Wilder, her relationship status or lack thereof is a constant source of speculation, ridicule, and conversation for her mother and two sisters, like all up in your business conversation. It's a family that shares, which is sweet, but it's very judgmental and overly opinionated. It's a, it's a kind of a sketchy situation, to be completely honest. I have always thanked God out loud <laughs> that um, I have brothers and not sisters, because I do not think my personality would have fit well with having more than just my mother and I feminine energy in a house. I don't know. That's just me. So Millie seems like a successful girl. She owns her own catering company. Is pretty funny. I mean, she's Mandy Moore and has the most envious apartment, the best apartment, but that's not enough for her mother. Nope. The matchmaker played by Diane Keaton just can't let things go. So she decides to take it upon herself to get her daughter hitched. So Daphne, who is mom, hops on the internet to a website called adultfriendfinder.com that unsurprisingly doesn't end well in fact it ends with her having to call technical support because her computer is stuck on a porn site so instead she creates a listing in the paper and then proceeds to make a gaggle of meet a gaggle of gentlemen at a local i don't really know what this establishment is i think it's a restaurant but She just didn't seem to be ordering any food. And there was a stage in the middle of the day with the dude playing, which we're going to get to in a second. But she has all of these guys come in for interviews. And, of course, they are kind of like what you expect, the people who are um, reading ads in a newspaper to find a girlfriend. Uh, But that is where she meets Johnny, the musician, and he saves her from an awkward exchange with a very intelligent therapist that believes Daphne needs help and definitely needs her daughter to let her daughter go, which I, I loved. This woman just shows up. And she's like, no, I have no interest in your daughter. Of course, I would like to talk to you. You're weird. So Johnny is adorable, and he's suave, and he's very cool. He is, he is a winner. But then Jason walks up and spoils the interaction. Jason is a young architect who ticks off all of Daphne's boxes. It's not that he's not charming, because he is. And it's not that he doesn't make a good impression, because he does. And he is played by Tom Everett Scott, who I've always just kind of had a soft spot in my heart for after that thing you do. But Johnny has this hat, and he has a hand tattoo. (sighs) I would have picked Johnny. Anyway, so Jason agrees to meet with Millie and heads out. He really likes Daphne. Daphne really likes him. So she kind of convinces him to hire Millie's company to cater an event that his his architect, architecture firm, that's what they're called, is going to be hosting. So he leaves and then Johnny comes back up to Daphne to challenge her, kind of critical of the fact that she's setting up her daughter without her knowledge. And he says he wants, he wants to meet Millie. He's like, you know what? I want to meet this daughter of yours. I, despite the fact that I don't like what you're doing, I kind of like you. I like your vibe. This, she sounds like somebody I would like to meet. And Daphne's like, uh, no. Tells, tells him she isn't looking for a fling for Millie, just assuming that because he's a musician, he'd just be a fling. So Johnny pretends to kind of give in, but then he swipes one of Millie's business cards that Daphne had kind of left sitting on the table. So Jason does hire Millie's catering company for an event at his firm and he asks her out. Daphne is over the moon and then Johnny shows up, not at that same moment, but he shows up at Millie's storefront one day for a meet cute. And it is such a meet cute. She has this horrible static cling in her dress and she ends up having a a balloon stuck to her because of the static. It's adorable. He buys her ice cream. Oh, so good. So now she has two dates. First up, we see her go out with Johnny, who gets called into work to teach a guitar lesson before taking her back to his house, where his son and dad are playing Alien and Astronaut or something like that. Um, It's a bit of an unconventional date, but Millie seems relaxed and has a really good time. The next evening, she goes to a fancy restaurant with Jason, and she's definitely not relaxed. There's a lot of nervous talking and laughing. Uh, He orders for her, which she doesn't really love because she is a foodie and would have liked to try other things but she ends up at his house there's an inappropriate conference call with her entire family and then she goes back to making out with him so the next scene we have johnny and his son lionel surprising millie at work with a bouquet of flowers daphne shows up so the cat is now out of the bag i had to throw that scene in there just so you know that eventually daphne finds out that johnny has come to find her daughter What follows then is a series of scenes where we get to see Millie with both Jason, who turns out to be pretty condescending, Uh, you, you just see him almost looking annoyed at her half the time, and Johnny, who really likes her awkwardness, and he calms her down and he wants to communicate with her. So things start to get complicated since she's dating these two guys at once, and Daphne isn't dealing well with the situation at all. Then, thankfully, Daphne loses her voice. Diane Keaton's not my favorite. We'll get to that. But you just wanted her to stop talking because I was offended by everything she was saying because she's kind of really horrible to Millie. Unfortunately for Millie, though, that means she has to come stay at her place. I don't really know why, Uh, why you can't live alone. And not have a voice. I'm doing doing it quite well. But while she's at Millie's place, she... um, Daphne actually ends up meeting Johnny's dad, who has been locked out of his house with Lionel in tow. Quick backstory about Daphne. Daphne did not have a great marriage. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head if the husband just left or died. Lauren Graham, who plays the oldest daughter, says something to the effect that Millie had the least amount of time with him. Um, But you come to find out that there was not a lot of love in that parental relationship. Daphne hears her daughters talking about, well, a lot about sex things, but just their relationships with these men, and she never had that connection with this husband of hers. So when Johnny's dad shows up, they kind of really hit it off, even though she's mute. Maybe that's why they hit it off. Um, But Johnny's dad and Lionel have been locked out of the house, and uh, Johnny and Millie are out on a date, so they kind of put Lionel down somewhere in the house, I don't know where. Um, and they make a love connection. And so they, Millie and Johnny walk in to find them making out. And you're like, Oh, you're a little happy for Daphne. Cause she apparently need, <laughs> needed, needed, some loving. So then, um, I guess it's the next day. It's hard to tell time in this movie. when, She goes to a dinner with Millie. So Daphne has now been also invited to a dinner with Millie and Jason to meet some of Jason's family because apparently there's an uncle that wants to meet her. She really starts to see how differently her daughter acts with the architect, how kind of put in her place she is in his presence. So it is that night as they are coming out of the restaurant when she finds Johnny waiting for her, Um, Millie has just been dropped off and Johnny finds out she's been seeing and sleeping with Jason as well. Um, and Millie realizes she can't continue to see two guys at the same time, but it doesn't really matter because it's like Johnny has just broken up with her. And then, um, so she's hanging out with Jason again next day sometime. I think it's soon because family's still there and that's when she realizes that Jason, only met Millie because of her mother. She had no idea about the ad. She finally finds out about the ad, um realizes, you know, that she wouldn't have been there in the first place with him thinking she needed to be with him if it wasn't because of her mother. So she breaks up with him and finds herself alone, ignoring her mother, and is heartbroken because she realized that she, you know, really did have feelings for Johnny. So she goes to his music store, Millie goes to his music store to tell him she misses him and that she is sorry but he kind of he turns her away. So then Daphne steps in one last time. She throws herself and her pride under the bus for the sake of her daughter and it works. So Johnny then heads to Millie's work where she's teaching senior citizens how to make tuna noodle salad, which I did not realize catering companies teach cooking lessons, which is kind of neat. I mean, it's a cute little place. Johnny then gives the grand romantic speech that you often see at the end of a rom-com about, you know, that he he loves her and Millie forgives him uh, and they kiss and it's wonderful. And the next thing we know, Daphne and Johnny's dad are getting hitched, which sort of makes Johnny and Millie siblings, which is weird. But everybody lives happily ever after. (laughs) I'm not sure if this is an unpopular opinion or not, but back to my earlier, earlier statement. Diane Keaton is not my favorite. She is so very often playing the really annoying mom character. There are of course the exceptions to the statement, but she's just usually over the top in the unfun kind of way like in this one. Yes, I do believe she loves her daughter, and I do believe she thinks her actions are in her daughter's best interest, but she's also taking away her daughter's free will almost, constantly belittling her and basically calling her stupid. Millie has every right to be mad and ignore her. Thank goodness she wises up in the end and gets Johnny and Millie together, because I've officially decided that Johnny is the most underrated love interest in a rom-com, but it's really hard to have much sympathy or empathy for Diane Keaton in this. I also have a lot of feelings about The Family Stone, which some people call a Christmas movie. Maybe one day we'll talk about that one and all of the feelings that I have about that. (laughs) But that is because I said so. A few interesting tidbits about the movie. The name of the daughters, Maggie, played by Lauren Graham, Millie, played by Mandy Moore and May played by Piper Parabo come from an E.E. Cummings poem that starts Maggie and Millie and Molly and May went to the beach to play one day and there is a student in Johnny's guitar class who is named Molly to get all the names in there the actual cakes used in the movie are made by the Cake Divas. They have created one-of-a-kind cakes for numerous movies and television shows, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Arrested Development, Judging Amy, ER, NYPD Blue, The Division, The Drew Carey Show, JAG, MTV Video Awards, Comedy Video Awards, and more. They make a lot of cakes. Must really like to make cakes. And that was it for the interesting tidbits. There wasn't a lot in that one. So now it's time for Crazy Rich Asians, which I just, I love this one. So we're introduced to the young family when Nick, our romantic lead, is just a small boy and his mother has her husband purchase a hotel after a, kind of a bigoted manager refuses to show her her room. So the young family is rich, crazy rich. <laughs> See what I did there? The kind of rich that I personally cannot even begin to fathom so that's the first scene and then we fast forward several years and nick is now living in new york city he's dating rachel chu an economics professor at nyu she's down to earth she's intelligent has completely won his heart and he ends up inviting her to singapore to his best friend's wedding and as she's packing knowing that she's probably going to meet his family you get to see this really sweet relationship she has with her single mom in a world that is absolutely not relatable to anything that we're going to see later on in the movie. I mean, we understand this mom and this daughter, but just you really see the economic differences, but also just the relational differences between these two families. So it's at the airport that Rachel realizes this handsome man she's fallen in love with might not have told her the whole truth about his upbringing. They nab seats in like the premium first class section, which I know this was just a set they built with um, like beds that lay down in their own private room. Are there real planes like that? I, I, would, I think there are. I mean, I've seen the commercials with Jennifer Aniston where she takes a shower on a plane, which just seems bonkers to me. I mean, I one day dream of flying in like the mediocre first class. So I can't, again, I cannot imagine this kind of wealth and these kind of privileges. And then they um get to his family home in Singapore and it is it is a mansion like like a huge house with armed guards and slowly we get introduced to the young crew and Nick's friends and we realize that Rachel is definitely a fish out of water. It also becomes abundantly clear that she is not the type of woman they expected or wanted Nick to end up with. Some family members just have no real concept of life outside of their wealthy bubble. They have zero idea of how to relate to her and what they deem as her poverty and lack of family lineage. Some family members keep up appearances of not liking her just so that they can maintain their status quo. And one family member in particular is actively working to make sure that Rachel knows that she is not wanted. And that just happens to be Nick's mother, Eleanor. Again, today, mothers are kind of, they're the worst. Not all mothers are the worst. These are just two examples. So the sad thing is, Eleanor doesn't really have anything against Rachel she is just fully aware of how outsiders are treated in the family having been one that married into it and will do anything to keep her son in his rightful place in their corner of Singapore society so Nick is either blissfully unaware of how Rachel is treated during their stay in Singapore or just arrogantly and ignorantly choosing to ignore it I think it's the latter and he makes excuses for their behavior a lot, his family's behavior, because despite the fact that it really he really appears to love her for exactly who she is, he never stands up to his family through it all. He's just like, Oh I that that's just who they are. Don't don't worry about that. I love you. So his rebellion is avoiding work for his father working for his father, but that doesn't put Rachel in any better of a light when it comes to his mother, of course. Nick and Rachel then kind of go not their separate ways. Nick goes to a bachelor party and then Rachel is invited to a bachelorette party by the the bride to be, the yeah, the bride. <laughs> That's what they're called. Um and during this uh event, this party with all of these women um who pretend to befriend her especially one at the beginning she ends up finding a dead fish in her bed and then above that written in blood which is disturbing uh they are calling her a gold digger so kind of rough and the bride was really sweet the bride gives off no vibes of this so i think if she had gone to the bride it would be something but she wasn't cuz she's stubborn and she didn't want to cause a scene um but that all happens before not only being told by Nick's mother that she will never get the family you know ever be a part of the family but also being thrown under the bus when she learns that Eleanor has hired a private investigator and reveals secrets about her about her own mother that even Rachel didn't know and this happens at this beautiful wedding you need to watch the wedding scene it is the craziest thing it's it's a really cool wedding it's so over the top that it kind of makes you a little uncomfortable <laughs> but it's a very cool wedding scene so all of that has happened to Rachel and she is crushed um, after learning that her mother was married to a man in China and heartbroken uh, that this man she loves, that his family would treat her so horribly. So Rachel ends up running to a college friend's house who also lives in Singapore for comfort. And the college friend also appears to have some sort of money, but just not young money young family money Singapore society is fascinating there is also a scene at the very beginning of the movie I'm skipping around where as Rachel and Nick first get into Singapore the bride and the groom take them out for dinner and it's like it's street food and they and it's a real place where these street vendors have Michelin stars that they are so good at what they do because they have been perfecting dishes for decades as a family it's fascinating anyway nick tries to visit and talk to her but rachel stays hidden away he's worried about her so he flies her mother to singapore to be with her they have a very sweet conversation about the reality of her mother's story the private investigator wasn't wrong that her mother had a child with the man that wasn't her husband but left out the humanity of the story the vulnerability of the story the real truth that rachel's mother was an abused wife who was saved by an old friend that she loved And her mother gives her the courage to go talk to Nick before heading back home. Rachel wants to go home, but she's like, you need to talk to Nick before you leave. And Nick is repentant and sad and ready to break ties with his family to be with her. He actually proposes, but she turns him down. That's just not the foundation that Rachel wants to start living their life together. So she ends it with him and confronts Eleanor one last time, telling her that she's stepping aside and making sure this matriarch who broke her heart, knows that she still has her son in her life because of her, a nobody from New York. The last confrontation starts to change Eleanor's heart. She realizes that while she thought she was protecting her son, she was really keeping him from being happy. And I'm sure she worries that he'll spend the rest of his life resenting her uh, for everything that happened between him and Rachel. So as Rachel boards the plane to sit in economy with her mother to head home, Nick boards with the family ring to propose one more time, and she says yes. This one has uh, quickly become one of my go-to movies when I need a dose of happy. Uh, I'm going to say her name wrong, and I do apologize. Michelle Yao uh, is perfect. She is perfect as the opinionated mother struggling with her own emotions. I love her in so many things. She was recently in Shang-Chi. She's in a—what's it called? Hold on, crouching tiger, hidden dragon. It came to me. She's in. She's just. She moves so beautifully, and she carries herself so beautifully. It's just. I need to. We we might have to do a deep dive on her. Henry Golden is. Golding is very handsome, and never once does the Rachel Chu character. Uh, attempt to fit into the mold she knows she doesn't belong to she's strong and thoughtful and she stands out for herself and i have always loved that about her um but i think this is a good example of how i don't that family is complicated um the some of it is generational thought and um generational prejudice as prejudice as well and kind of kind of the evils and awesomeness of money to be honest but few interesting tidbits about the movie director john m chu revealed that the beautiful and talented michelle yao was dissatisfied with the mock-up ring that her character eleanor was going to wear that family ring she showed him a ring from her personal collection and then eventually this eventually became the emerald and diamond ring eleanor wears in the movie Uh, Netflix wanted to produce the film and offered a much bigger budget but Kevin Kwan, uh, deliberately turned down, that is the author of the book, because it's based on a book, turned down the offer in favor of a modest $30 million budget from Warner Brothers. This was done to send a message that Asian American studio movies are commercially viable. Tiresaw Park, Nick's grandmother's home, is actually in Kuala Lumpur, Per the Hollywood Reporter, the Tirasal Park, the mansion of the young family matriarch, was created out of two abandoned Malaysian government-owned buildings in Kuala Lumpur. The jungle had started to take over. Floors had collapsed. There was monkey poop and bat populations, said production designer Nelson Coates, who stripped out carpeting, stenciled the floor to look like expensive tile, and found a local muralist to create leafy graphics for the wall. It's amazing to me. Movie magic is absolutely amazing, how they can take something that's only partially there and make you think it is this big and vibrant and beautiful place. It's fascinating. These these people are artisans. They are very, very good at their crafts. And that comes down to the people who do the lighting and the cinematographers. It, just, it is amazing what they can do. And finally, of course, that the film is based on the novel of the same name. The novel is the first part of a trilogy by Kevin Kwan. The other two novels of the trilogy are china rich girlfriend and rich people problems hopefully you've seen today's picks if not i highly recommend you do so and then hit me up on the interwebs for a fun conversation but that is it for today i'm gonna give my voice a rest Uh, i am hoping to be back next week for the last two episodes of season four all about romantic comedies and then we're gonna take a little bit of a break you're gonna have a bit of a a fun week with um Dolly Parton Appreciation Week and then we hit season five where we're talking about Jim Henson and his Muppets and creations and I'm so excited but thank you so much for listening really it is so appreciated if you haven't already I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together and if you've got the time it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture can join in on the fun as well or if you want to share the podcast that would be awesome too I don't know if you can hear her but my cat Nelly says hello. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook is a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time.